So today, we've been, uh, we've been sharing some testimonies lately, and so today I'm going to invite my sister Kate Fultz to come up here forward. Um, we got to know Kate a little bit a few years ago when she became the director at the Oaks House, just here across the parking lot. And in the last few years, I've been privileged to get to know Kate better as she's become a member of our church, as she is involved um, in helping out with all kinds of kid things and the community classroom. And uh, so, Kate, welcome Welcome to the front, and I'm excited to see what God has put on your mind and put on your heart, okay? So go ahead and have a seat, and, and just for some sight lines, because I'm very, very strong, I can move these large potted plants <laughs> over to the side. I just want to correct you. I'm the direct, I'm not the director, I'm the house manager. The house manager, yes. Forgive me, forgive me other Oaks House personnel. Especially Robin. Especially Robin. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, Kate, um, as you know, and, and for congregation, the last couple of weeks. Oh, Kate needs a microphone. Thank you, folks in the back. It's my first time. Um, the last number of weeks and for the next little while, we've had people sharing testimonies, sharing their stories about what God has been doing in their life. And, and one of the things that I've learned is that um, I think it is helpful to have sermons, it's helpful to have elders sharing devotions, it's helpful to be able to sing together, uh, but it can be really helpful to be able to hear from other brothers and sisters in our fellowship to hear what they've been going through, how God has brought them through things, and, and frankly, to just know that all of us have things that we wrestle with. Sometimes it's helpful to hear that, because that can give us some hope. So, um, Kate, our standard question that I always ask, what has God been doing in your life? What what has God put on your heart to share with us? Well, I think... Um, go ahead and hold that microphone up. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I, I have that trouble when I sing, too. I want to put it down. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep yelling at you. That's, that's <laughs> why I'm here, yeah, to remind you. <laughs> so what has God been doing in my life lately? I think he's brought me closer to him by restoring my self-confidence to be a, a leader. And I'll, I'll tell you a little story about how my self-confidence was quashed. Uh, a few years ago. But it's important that he um, gave me that self-confidence back because I'm a leader and I need that so that I can carry out his will. Mm. Um, I know he brought me here to the Oaks Ministry almost four years ago. Wow. And subsequently here to Waterway. And I know he was here when I came to help with the community classroom. Mm -hmm. um, that was such a wonderful time in my life. I just loved those kids. Um, as a result, you know, that led me to working in the public schools again, and I really enjoy that, too. I think most of you know I'm, I'm working right now with the Kennett Consolidated School District. And... Um, Currently, I'm a one-on-one -on -one aide, um, and that happened right before the community classroom ended. It was funny how God worked with that. Just over a year ago, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, because I had been searching for a job and been gaining more confidence in the community classroom, and he finally gave me a job, and then... Everyone went back to school, and the community classroom was over. So it worked perfectly. Um, 
So from February to June last year, I, was, I helped first graders as they learned how to read. And I thought, okay, God put me right where my heart is, and I'm so happy. And then he kind of threw a curveball. Um, in August, I found out that I was going to be working with middle schoolers. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> and Which is what everyone says who gets called <laughs> to work with middle schoolers. Yeah. You middle schoolers, you're wonderful people. But, but you scare even us adults sometimes. <laughs> um, and the story behind that, even, even more than what you said, Jesse, is that I was a middle school teacher for a year. I taught uh, English language arts in Chester. And that really, I don't think, I, you know, it's, I've struggled to think, did God put me there? Or was that something I did on, on my own free will? But I know that he carried me through that year because there were people to pray with every morning for the kids. And um, those friendships and those prayers got me through that year. It was mm -hmm. a tough year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, at that point I knew, okay, I'm not meant to be an urban teacher. And maybe... I'm not meant to be in middle schools at all. Well, fast forward to this past year, and I was told, hey, I'm going to be in a middle school. And uh, I didn't understand what was happening. You know, I prayed, God, let your will be done. And when they told me, you're going to be a one-on-one -on -one aide for a middle schooler, I was like, is... God's will being done here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was pretty floored. But you know what? God did have any, everything under control. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love Don't my student. Don't forget that microphone. I love my student. <laughs> Thank you. And I really enjoy the teachers that I'm working mm -hmm. with. They have let me be part of their instruction. They have um, really included me in... I'm gaining back some of the self-confidence mm -hmm. that I lost. Um, and uh, they know that I'm a Christian because I have let them know, you know, the Oaks Ministry needs donations sometimes, and they have been very generous with their donations. Um, I feel like I um, minister to the kids and the uh, the teachers alike, just because I'm, I'm glad to be there. I just, I have joy and I show it. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I can't let a, an opportunity like this go by without speaking about the Oaks Ministry. It has been such an important part of my life. And Robin and I both know that God led me here. Mm. I was at a very painful place place in my life, and he brought me here. Um, I filled a need for the Oaks Ministry, and they filled a need for me. Mm. Um, I have this sense of empathy, and I, I brought that to the ministry. That sense of empathy can, 
can be a help and a hindrance mm. because I can understand what the ladies are going through, but sometimes I have to step back and say, you know, this, this is your struggle and, and you need to bring it to God. Mm -hmm. um, you, you can't carry every person's weight, can you? You're not built for that. You know, you can identify with them and pray for them, but you, they have to carry their own weight to a certain degree, right? They have to process their own pain with Jesus. You can't do that for them. They do. And, yeah. you know, God is working mm -hmm. out that out with me because it seems to be a lesson I need to learn a hmm. couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's, I'm there to help them get a, maneuver their path toward independence and a closer walk with God. Mm -hmm. And um, that can be a challenge. If you've ever heard the expression, hurt people, hurt people, you know that four women living in the house can cause some drama. Um, and so I mentioned that when I came to Oxford, I was hurting. And the truth is, I was being treated here I am, for chronic depression, which plagued me for about 15 years from the time my sister died of breast cancer and my marriage started to fall apart at the same time. Um, and that was in 2004. And I feel like that plagued me until I was settled here. It didn't happen right away, but God brought me here and he brought me through all that pain. Um, there were times when I was suicidal and I feel like he, I know he was there. Mm. I know that he um, kept free from making that final irrevocable mistake so that I could help other people. Mm. And I praise him for that. and. And it hasn't been easy, you know. I've had years of Christian therapy. I've had years of medication. But God has been there through it all, and he's healed me. Mm, amen. Um, it's a tough road, you know. Mm. And, and for anybody in, out here who's going through that, talk to me. Because, you know, I know what you're going through. Mm. Um, He hasn't healed me from everything. I would love for him to heal my knees. Um, I feel that he has a plan for that because the doctors have said, lose so many pounds before we can do this surgery. And I'm halfway there. Good. Um, and he's teaching me self-control and self-discipline and to count on him when it's tough. Because losing weight, as a lot of you may know, is, is tough too. Especially when you've got bad knees. <laughs> yes, and I can't do the walking and the exercising that other people can do. Right. Right. Um, but what is important is he healed my heart, and I just feel like he's kept me alive so that I can help other people. Um, so I'm really blessed 
to have God working in my life. And I pray that I can continue to make good choices that keep me on this path. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kate. Can we pray for you before you sit down? Lord, I thank you and praise you for this testimony that you've given to Kate. I thank you for, um, for the healing and the restoration that you've given her, especially these last few years. But I thank you that you've been present with her always so that she can now sit here and look back and see that you were there with her, even in the hard times and the hard days. Lord, I pray that you'll bless her as she continues to minister at the Oaks House and as she ministers to those who are all around her at the middle school at Kennett. Lord, I thank you for being present with her and allowing her to take your presence everywhere she goes. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Blessing, sister. Thank you. Can I give you a hand? Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. There we go. You're welcome. All around us, there are stories. Most of the stories are not finished yet. We're still here living them, but all around us, there are stories. All of you have a story. And you are at different places in your walk with God. You've got different things that are going on, and, and you are at different stages of deliverance from the things that challenge you. But all of us have a story. I thank you, Kate, for sharing yours. And I thank you to all of you who have shared and will share your stories. These stories matter because they all work together as God continues to tell his story through us. And so it's fun to hear these testimonies, and I think powerful to know that if someone else has been able to deal with something, perhaps I can too. I've got a story for you. This week, one day, Melanie came home just laughing. She told me about what happened in traffic that day. Now, traffic is not normally one of those sources of great joy, but this is the story that she told me. That morning on the way to school, there is a, a, a red light or a traffic light at the end of Barnsley Road, just about a mile down the road from where our house is. When we moved here, uh, when we moved to our current house in 2005, that was not a traffic light. It was simply a stop sign, and it was set up in such a way that people could often roll through. It was not much of a problem, we didn't notice big, huge, fiery crashes, but a decision was made that there needed to be a red light at the intersection of Barnsley Road and Old Baltimore Pike. And they also put up a red light then at the end of Waterway Road and Old Baltimore Pike, right out there by Walgreens. Okay? So that morning, Melanie was driving to school and she got behind a van. And they pulled up to the red light, and the light was red, and there's a large sign, an annoying sign, but it's a clear sign, a true sign, and a sign that must be heated. It says, no turn on red. Now, it seems that this is one of those spots where a turn on red would make a lot of sense. You can see both directions pretty well, but alas, the sign hangs. And I go through that intersection a couple times a day. Most people abide by the sign. Do not turn on red. And so the van was waiting. It was the first in line. Melanie was right behind it. The light was red. It said, no turn on red. And on the back of the van was a sticker that said, this vehicle does not turn right 
on red lights. <laughs> and as Melanie sat there with the light still red, what do you think she observed <laughs> that made her laugh and even remember it later that night to tell me? No turn on red, red light. This vehicle does not turn on red, and yet, whoop, we're headed to Oxford. The things we say and the things that we do don't always line up, do they? Do you think people notice? I wonder what the driver of that van thought. Now, perhaps this was their first time going through that intersection. Perhaps there was just so much traffic that they didn't notice the sign that said no turn on red. Perhaps they forgot that the back of their van, maybe it wasn't even their van, perhaps it was probably a borrowed van. I mean, who drives around in their own vehicle with a sign that says this vehicle does not turn on red? Maybe they forgot the sign and, and forgot the tag and, and they just went through thinking this is a great opportunity to finally make it through. Or maybe they saw the sign, they saw the light, they remembered the tag, and they just thought nobody would notice. That lady in the white car behind me certainly is probably talking to somebody on her phone or doing her makeup or, or, or yelling at one of the kids in the backseat, right? We assume that the people around us are engaged in all kinds of other things. Maybe they just thought nobody would see, but someone did. And now today, I'm telling the story to 200 people of you here and who knows how many of you online. The things we say and the things that we do don't always line up, do they? Today, um, I have two scriptural passages that I want to think about with you. They're, they're kind of bookends to a story. Um, I'm going to invite Austin and Alyssa to come forward. They're going to help me read this week. Now, one of them is going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark. It looks like that's going to be Austin. Austin's going to stand over there by the piano. And Alyssa, you're going to stand over here in our, in, our, in our classic pendulum spots, right? We've seen this before. I'm going, to give you a, uh, I'm going to give you a microphone because when you're on the stage, you ought to have a microphone to talk, right? Austin, would you please read for us the passage from Mark chapter 11? Ross, Ross yeah. primed us with this already, but Austin's going to pick up partway through the story. Could, could you read for us yeah. part of this Palm Sunday? When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is, he, blessed is the kingdom coming, the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. Thank you, Austin. So here's this picture. Jesus um, is getting on this colt that has never been ridden. And what does it say in verse 7? They brought the colt to Jesus, threw their cloaks over it. He sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road. They shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's an entrance that Jesus made just about 2,000 years ago. Would you read for us, Alyssa, about another entrance that Jesus has not made yet, but Absolutely will? Not. Would you read for us from Revelation 19? I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. 
The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of fury and the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Austin and Alyssa, please stay where you are just for a moment. Sometimes the visual can help us to remember things, right? So Austin read a story about Jesus Christ just about 2,000 years ago. Jesus was, this is the the final week of his life here on earth. Jesus would have been in his mid-30s, right? And he's riding on what? He's riding on a colt. Other parts of scripture say it's a donkey, all right? So he's riding on, on this small, have you ever ridden on a donkey? No. You've never, how many of you have ridden on a donkey? How many of you have ever felt powerful and strong and magnificent while you were riding on a donkey. Is that what it was like, Jim? <laughs> Not quite. You just, you had him on the ground before you know it. That's right. That's right. But this is the story of Palm Sunday, right? This is Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And, and what did the people say? They cut off the branches, they put down their cloaks and they shouted, Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna, right? That's the entrance. It's historical. It happened. It's written down in scripture, and it's something that many of you have heard about before. That's what Austin read, the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem that holy week. Now, Alyssa, you read about who? Who, who is the last couple words there? What's it say? King of kings and Lord of lords. Who is that? Jesus. That's Jesus, right? Now, how did Jesus arrive in this event? On a horse. On a horse. What kind of a horse? Like a white horse. Like a white horse. I, you might even say a war horse, right? This, this is a story from Revelation. And some of you remember a couple of months ago as we spoke through Revelation, we talked about how Christ is coming back, right? And what Alyssa read from Revelation 19 hasn't happened yet. That's, that's yet in the future. It's prophesied and it's talked about. But here John had this vision and John wrote it down. God gave him this sight and he said, I look, what, what's it say here? It says, I saw heaven standing open. There before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. That's what Jesus is going to do in the future. Austin, Alyssa, thank you very much for reading for me. You can find your seats again. But do you see these two, do you see these two entrances? Austin read about something in history. Alyssa read about something that's going to happen in the future. In both cases, we have, there are some interesting parallels, aren't there? There's Jesus making an entrance. Here in, in the story about Palm Sunday in Jerusalem, Jesus entering into the city. As Alyssa read about Jesus, he's entering back into this world after spending some time in heaven. Jesus enters once humbly on a donkey. Now, donkeys were, were royal animals. Donkeys are known to be animals of peace. I don't know if any of you who have experience with donkeys in 2022 would equate royalty or peace with a donkey. But oftentimes a donkey was ridden by a high official if they were going to make a treaty or if they were going to speak to a governmental authority. The donkey was was the animal that they rode in on. And here's Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, right? Now, there's a different picture of Jesus coming back to earth. John says he looked, he saw heaven standing open and there was a white horse. And here is a rider whose robe is dipped in blood His name, nobody quite knows, but he is the word of God. And on his thigh was written what? King of kings, 
Lord of Lords. And so we know that this was Jesus, the very same Jesus who rode in on a donkey those thousands of years earlier, according to our measurement of time. And here is Jesus riding on a war horse. This is not a horse of peace. Because who is following after Jesus? It says the armies of heaven. And at that time, Jesus will come back. At that time, as it says... His mouth will be full of a sword with which to strike down the nations. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. That is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is an entrance, it would seem, for a king. That's the entrance that a lot of people were looking for when Jesus actually rode in on a donkey. A lot of the Jewish folks were looking for a savior. They were looking for a Messiah who was going to come and, and finally overthrow. Think about, the, think about the context. Those of you who remember your ninth grade history class. At the time when the Jews were, were welcoming Jesus into the city of Jerusalem, they were under the oppression of the Roman Empire. The Jews did not have an area that was kind of politically their own. And so there was the Roman Empire, but then even in Jerusalem, there were, there were governors who were sent out, and there's all kinds of details that, that we might be able to learn about that if we were to take some time. But, but the Jews were looking for their savior. They were looking for a king, someone like King David, who a thousand years earlier had ridden in and, and, and put together an earthly army and conquered earthly territory so that Israel could be the nation that God wanted them to be. People were looking for that with Jesus 2,000 years ago, yet he rode in on a donkey, which is indeed a, a royal animal. It's, a, it's an animal that signals that something is happening, but Jesus 2,000 years ago did not make things happen geopolitically the way people were looking for. And so there were some people who just a few days later, though they had welcomed him as if he were a king, they said, wait, this kingdom that he's bringing is not what we expected. And some of the people who were waving palm branches that day we're saying, crucify him five days later. That's the history. And what do we see about the future? Jesus will come back. There is a time where he will say no more, and all things will be set right. And there will be an army coming with him, and the earth will not be able to stand up before him. In Zechariah, there's a passage in verse 9, chapter 9, verse 9, says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, shout, daughter Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So these are the words of Zechariah, hundreds of years before Jesus rode in on that colt. But God had a plan here. Jesus was acting as he should have been. He was bringing God's kingdom the way God wanted him to, but it disappointed a lot of the folks who were waiting, they thought, for so long. How many of you have ever gotten the opinion, the impression, or the feeling? That things are not happening the way God would want them to be because they don't feel good to me. There were a lot of people in the city that day, 2,000 years ago, who said, this can't really be God's king because he's not really bringing God's kingdom the way I want it to be. And yet, if they had paid attention to the prophets, they would have read in Zechariah that indeed the king was coming, righteous and victorious, but lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah 9.10 says that, that king will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. And so, so there was this prophecy about what was coming, but people didn't quite get it, just like we miss a lot of things today. And so here we are. We find ourselves in the year 2022 in this spot between. In between. We have Jesus who entered and rode in. And in fact, we know from history because he 
was hung on a cross. And he died and was buried in a grave, and then he came back to life. That doesn't happen every day. In fact, that doesn't ever happen, except when Jesus makes it happen. So we're in between that historical time of when the king was proven to be the king and when he's going to come back and say, okay, enough, no more. No more of anything that is opposed against me. We're in this in-between time when salvation is offered, when God's kingdom is beginning to come, but yet God is waiting for a few things to happen before it is finally ended and all things are made right. All evil is annihilated. And indeed, there is peace for all nations forever. Today, we live in between these two entrances, these two arrivals. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. You've heard those words, right? Those words written by Bill Gaither. See, the spot that we're at and the thing that a lot of people didn't realize when Jesus made that first entrance and the thing that too many people are not realizing now in between and the thing that Jesus is going to set right when he arrives on that white horse The thing that we forget is that all of us are sinners. I mean, we know it deep in our hearts. Those of you who don't know the Lord yet, those of you who have not made peace with God, those of you who have not yet believed or proclaimed that Jesus is Lord, those of you who are sitting here or who are watching us online who have not asked Jesus to forgive you, those of you who have not repented and turned from your sin, those of you who have not committed to following Jesus with all your life, those of you who have not been saved, You know that sin hangs on you. It follows you around like a shadow. Even if you try to numb it, chase it away, forget about it, run from it. You know, you know the feeling that things are not just quite right. That is a consequence of sin. Now, some of us in this room have been saved. We've given our life to Jesus Christ. We've asked him to forgive us. We've committed our lives to him, to following him. And so by the grace of God, we have been saved. And and we know that that sin has been taken away from us as far as the east is from the west. And so some of us have forgotten that feeling of sin, but we know in our minds because the Bible tells us and our experience reveals to us that indeed all of us are sinners. But Jesus came to take that sin away. Paul preached a sermon, it's recorded in Acts 13, where he said, through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to all of you. Through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Jesus was coming into the kingdom of Jerusalem, if it can be said that way. He was coming into this city, this place, bringing the kingdom of God with him because he wanted to show people He wanted to show people that their sins could be forgiven. They could be given new life. And in fact, that was what would work out over the next week of time. We're going to talk about that more next week on the Sunday that we call Easter. But we know through the scripture that through Jesus' death on the cross, our sins are put to death. He took our sin, and when he died on the cross, our sin died with him. And through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which happened on that first Easter Sunday, we are given new life. Romans 6 says that we were therefore buried with Christ through baptism. This is why we emphasize baptism here so much. This is a powerful symbol. We are buried with Christ through baptism into death in order that just as Christ, Christ was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. And that message has been preached for nearly 2,000 years, ever since Jesus rode in on that donkey, rode into Jerusalem, and brought the kingdom that people, that people were crying for but not really thinking about. That message has been preached by Jesus and by those who have followed after him. 
after he lived on this earth, died on the cross, and came back to life, Jesus went up into heaven. And that's where Jesus is today. We often say, Jesus is in my heart. Well, we have given our hearts to Jesus Christ, and Jesus has given us new hearts, if indeed we are saved. And we know that the Holy Spirit is with us. But if we have to think if we have to think as far as place, Christ is still at the right hand of the Father in heaven today with God waiting. But he will return. This is what Revelation tells us about. This is what Alyssa read for us. It's what Paul said to the men of Athens when he preached the sermon that's recorded in Acts chapter 17. Paul said to those men, he said, that God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of, proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Paul is talking about Jesus. And so now, you and I, we live in this in-between time. Peter said it this way. Peter, he was that one who followed after Jesus for three years, one of the closest disciples, but, but who often just didn't quite get all of it. And Peter, because he was outspoken like some of us, put his foot in his mouth from time to time. But Peter, when he was an older man, as, as he was reflecting back on his life and as he was writing in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter said that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. In other words, time works differently for God than it does for us. 2 Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Which promise? Well, this promise that there will be a judgment on the earth, that Jesus Christ is going to come back and, and that he will judge the world with justice. Yeah, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but hoping that everyone would come to repentance. Verse 10 of 2 Peter 3, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And so we live in this in-between time, a time where God is waiting for everyone who's going to come to him will come. And today we can sing Hosanna because we see the example of history. And we know the reality that is upon us now, that, that Jesus has done everything that needs to be done for us to be saved, for us to be able to leave our sin behind us. That for those of you, again, I know there are some of you in this room who still haven't quite come to grips with this Jesus thing. I get it. I understand. I understand where you are. I hope you don't stay there. I hope that by hearing the gospel, you'll be stirred up and you'll come to some response that says, I, Jesus is the Lord. Jesus, please forgive me. Jesus, I will follow you. You will be my God. I hope you get to that place. The goal is not just for you to sit here and think. The goal is for you to sit here and think and pray and feel and believe. But we sit here today and we stand here today and we sing and we say, Hosanna. Because we know that everything that needs to be done for us to be saved has been done. And so now, those of us who are following after the Lord, those of us who have committed our lives to him, we are active. We're not passive. Some people have called Mennonites pacifists. I do not like that label. I don't think it's appropriate. Even though I may be non-resistant and even though I would not go to war, I'm not passive. I'm active, as we all are. Jesus told us, his followers, to go into all the corners of the world and tell people about him. This is what so many missionaries and churches are working at. Jesus told us to warn people about his return. This is what I'm trying to do right now. And Jesus told his followers to obey everything he taught and pass it on to the next generation. This is what we work at as a church. Now, some of us are a little bit like the van driver. 
And the signs are all around us, and the other people can see the signs on us, but we do whatever we want whenever it's convenient. Some of us fall into that trap. This is why some people say things like, I'm never going to have anything to do with the church. I'm never going to have anything to do with organized religion, whatever that means. Because those people are just hypocrites. Well, some of us are. And sometimes all of us are. But Jesus told his followers to obey everything he taught and pass it on to the next generation. And so with the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, and by coming together and, and trying to work and encourage each other and to stay on track, one of the things that we do is to work at this obedience piece. And one of the things that Jesus taught us to obey is the teaching that we are to remember his death. We don't only remember his life, but we also remember his death. Jesus specifically said to his disciples, he said, remember, remember me and my death. This is why we have what we call a love feast on Thursday night this week. Thursday night before Easter. That's, some of you are thinking, what a weird time to have communion. I know, I get it. But Thursday night would have been the night of the week when Jesus sat down with his disciples, having, having been arrested on Friday, crucified Friday afternoon and and rising from the grave on Sunday, Thursday night, he was still celebrating the Passover with his disciples. They had a meal. They had the very first communion service. Jesus said to them, look, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Remember my death. And the disciples didn't all get it, but ever since then, there have been Christians who have met on Thursday night to commemorate that, to commemorate what Jesus did, to, to do what Jesus said, to remember his death. And so on Thursday night at seven o'clock, we'll meet over here. We're not having a whole supper like we've had sometimes because some of us can't wait until seven o'clock to have supper. (laughs) But we'll have some snacks and we'll gather around the table in Christian fellowship. And we will share communion together, remembering the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. We'll we'll do that together. And and we're going to have stations where people can either wash feet or wash hands, and we've got another thing that you can do that, that we can kind of remember that we're to serve each other, because that's what Jesus did on that Thursday night with his disciples. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And we're going to share testimonies. We're going to have people who are just going to talk a little bit like Kate did, about this is what God is doing in my life. This is what God has been doing through me, and, and we're going to celebrate Jesus' death. We're, we're going to look forward to Jesus' life, and we're going to talk about what God has been doing in our lives. And as we get ready for that, we have four or five days here in between. As we stand in between the two entrances of Jesus, the one that that brought the kingdom of God in such a way that people could be at peace with the Lord, and the entrance that's going to bring the kingdom of God in such a way that those who have not come to peace with God are going to be wiped out in judgment. As we stand here in between, we have an opportunity this week to prepare to remember Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we prepare to do that is by acting out what I told you last week. Do you remember the sermon on Matthew 18, that if your brother sins against you, if your sister sins against you, go and speak to them one-on-one. Not to just yell at them and finally get it off your chest. No, 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 no. Go speak to them so that they can be restored because sin is a problem. None of us needs that sin hanging on to us. And sometimes we step into sin and we don't even realize it. Sometimes we step into sin and we don't know how to step back out. Sometimes we we get deceived and we forget that we can come back to Jesus for restoration. So if someone sins against you, go speak to them one-on-one as a brother or a sister. 
and tell them about it. And what does the scripture say? In Matthew 18, Jesus, as he instructs, it says, look, if they, if they turn and repent, you've won them over, and that's the end of the issue. Praise God, sin is gone. If they won't agree that there is a sin problem, if they won't deal with that, well, then take another brother or sister along so that it's not just he said, she said. Right? You can work things out in a way that is honoring to God and honoring to each other. Not to gang up on each other so that now I finally have my confidence. No, no, it's to make sure that, that if things get weird, it's not just my account versus your account. This is how Jesus taught us in Matthew 18. And he said, and if that person who has sinned will not even listen to that group of people, take it to the whole church, and then there's a specific way to work it out. That's, that's reconciliation. That's the goal, right? To have us be united in our faith because Jesus knew how tempting it was for us to for us to put signs on our back that say one thing and yet for our conduct to say something else Jesus knew Jesus knew that the church would be tempted to say we're about peace and we're about love and we're about looking after each other. And Jesus knew that we would be tempted to be backbiters, to be people that did not love each other and to be people that held all kinds of grudges. He knew about that temptation. That's why he said what he said that was written down in Matthew 18. Go and work this stuff out. See, Jesus' plan is for the church in the world today to be his missionary, to be his ambassador, to be his spokesman. Jesus intends for us to go out into all the corners of the earth and tell about him. And so he also intends for us to be pure and holy as we do that. Because honestly, if I knew the person that was driving that van, I wouldn't ask them for directions on how to be a good driver myself. I say, they're the last ones I'm going to ask. And some people, because, because they've been in tough situations, they've seen tough things, and maybe they haven't interpreted it well, but there are some people that have said, life? The last place I'm going to learn how to do life is the church. Those people put up their signs about love and forgiveness, and yet I know those people. There's no love or forgiveness there at all, right? This, this happens. You've seen this. We've all seen this even here. We struggle. Right? This is not easy to do all the time. This is not easy to do with everyone. We work through this, and, and we need Jesus to help us to do this. Thank you, Lord, for sending the Holy Spirit, because on our own, we would all just fall back into our little petty offenses. But we remember Jesus' death, and we remember his blood shed on the cross. We remember his body broken for us. And between now and that remembrance on Thursday night, we must be reconciled to each other because we're not going to be hypocrites when we come together to do this. Say, oh, the blood of Jesus Christ brings us together in the family of God. Oh, the, the body of Jesus Christ reminding us that his body was broken for us. And now we're all sons and daughters of God. And by the way, we're going to argue and bicker like sons and daughters of the earth. No, we don't do that. Right? That does, what's the point? No, instead, we are called to do all that we can do to be reconciled. Now, with people, with people, this is a challenge because sometimes we want to reconcile. Sometimes we call something out and the other person says, take a hike. Sometimes they will not be reconciled. This happens. This is hard. And this is a shame. But what does Jesus call us to do? He calls us to do what we can do, which is to address the things that are out of line carefully and in love and by asking questions, right? There's a way to do this because we're working for reconciliation. This reconciliation that Jesus brought in on the back of a donkey, this is what we're working for so that none of us has to face that coming king 
who's going to wipe out all who are opposed to him. Here in the in-between times, we have an opportunity not just to look after our own lives, to be saved and make sure that sin is not hanging on to us, to make sure that we're not hypocrites, but to make sure that we're good witnesses in the world. We have an opportunity not just to look out for ourselves, but to look out for each other. To say, brother and sister, are you still committed to the Lord? Are you still living your life by the values that you proclaim on Sunday morning? And not just here, but everywhere we go, we have an opportunity to tell the world, do you know about my Jesus? Do you know about the Lord who has saved me? Do you know about my story? Do you know what I struggled with and what God has brought me through and how even though I'm struggling right now, God is bringing me through and is going to continue to give me strength. And even though I have these struggles that are not even my fault, but they hurt me, God has given me strength to be able to press on and live for him. We can tell people these stories now because he hasn't come back yet. It's not over yet. It's all still being played out. Do you realize where we are here between the entrances? We can shout Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you know, if we do the job that we're supposed to do, people may say the same thing about us. Hosanna, blessed are you. You came to me in the name of the Lord. This is our opportunity, church. Our witness must be of humility, conviction, unity, and peace. Because if it's not, we'll be selfish and people will see it. We'll be divided. People can see it. We'll be sinning. And who wants to join up with a church full of active sinners? I've got enough of those in the rest of my life. No, church believers, our witness must be of humility, conviction, unity, and peace. We'll talk about this more next week. But we must cultivate a culture where we forgive as Jesus has forgiven us. Where we give each other the benefit of the doubt where we refuse to take offense, we refuse to speak to each other indirectly, but we go to each other carefully and directly, and we forgive quickly. We must cultivate this culture to such a degree that we don't worry so much about offending someone else because we know that they will forgive us if we make a mistake. We're not trying to have a say any obnoxious thing you want. That's for your family dinners after church. But we can't be on eggshells around each other either. One of the images of the church is family, the family of God. And from time to time, families say things that maybe we're taking the wrong way. Okay, so we forgive and we move forward. So here we are, living this life in between Jesus' entrance on a donkey and his return on a war horse. We celebrate his life, we remember his death. And we go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything Jesus has commanded us. And what does Jesus say? He says, surely, here in this in-between time. No, Jesus says, surely, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Will you pray with me? Lord God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to save us. And even though Jesus wasn't the Savior that the people expected, and even though it doesn't always seem like he's saved us from all the things that plague us, God, I thank you for sending us a Savior so we can be free of our sins, that we can be free of the fear of hell and damnation, and that we can look forward to a full life now and life in heaven eternal later. Lord, help us this week as we prepare for our love feast and communion service on Thursday night. Lord, help us to reconcile all the things that need to be reconciled. Help us to forgive all of the people in our lives who have been forgiven. 
And Lord, help us to ask forgiveness in those areas where we've made mistakes because we've all made mistakes. Holy Spirit, I trust that you will bring conviction on whichever of us need to do any of these things. Asking forgiveness, granting forgiveness, and being restored. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts and in our minds in such a way that we can be unified with each other. And Holy Spirit, please work here in our church in such a way that we can all come together as one, recognizing the sacrifice that Jesus made as he spilled his blood and gave his body for us. Jesus, thank you for coming for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for thinking of us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Church, would you stand for our closing song?